This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey there. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you about a wonderful video that's been floating around the internet. Maybe you've seen it, but let me tell you the backstory. The process of creating the good newspaper, which... If you're new to the podcast, we created a physical newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are changing the world for the better. The process of creating the good newspaper has been a wild ride. One of the craziest things that's come from the entire process was that Samsung Mobile heard about our community, this community right here. They heard about what we've been up to, and they gave me a phone call. They said they were making a series of mini documentaries by Now This News about regular people doing extraordinary things, ignoring conventions, and breaking the rules. They wanted to tell my story and the good newspaper story, and it was an absolute no-brainer. I told them I was all in. And this resonated with me because I am just a 24-year-old guy with an idea. I've never made a newspaper before. In every single way, I am unqualified. But I knew that this idea might just be something that needs to be in the world. And I knew for certain that this was something that I needed to be in the world for me. And I wanted the good newspaper to be a way to tell stories of good without ignoring the injustices in the world. We wanted to dive deep into the dark parts of the world and find the light that was growing. Ultimately, we wanted to look for the helpers. We didn't know if it would succeed at all, but we had so many amazing people rally around the idea and it felt amazing. The process behind the scenes has pushed me and my team in so many ways. It's been one of the hardest things I've ever done. And as we put the finishing touches on our first issue, which is already shipping around the world, I could not stop thinking about how it felt like we were doing the impossible. In a time where cynicism is easy and maybe even often celebrated, creating something hopeful and meaningful is a battle. But it's a battle I'm thankful to be a part of. This story and the behind the scenes of the very first time I visited our printing press was all captured on Samsung mobile phones and turned into a beautiful mini documentary by the folks at Now This News. I hope you can check it out. You can find it at Thrillist.com slash passion dash project. Again, that's Thrillist.com slash passion dash project. All right, now back to the show. This is Lily. She just parallel barked. Kindly requests a reward now. 13 out of 10 would pet so well. This is Buddy. He ran into a glass door once. Now he's heckin' skeptical. 13 out of 10, empowering AF. This is Earl. He found a hat. Nervous about what you think of it. 12 out of 10, it's delightful, Earl. These captions sound familiar? In 2015, We Rate Dogs was born on Twitter. If you would have told Matt Nelson, the creator of We Rate Dogs, that he'd be entertaining 750,000 people in less than a year, he would have laughed in your face. But today, more than 3 million Twitter followers regularly await the internet phenomenon of dog photo submissions being paired with witty captions. 
and the final products are brilliant. I've been a fan of Matt's Twitter, We Rate Dogs, for a long time now. And on top of that, I've come to admire the way that he's dealt with making mistakes in front of a lot of people, which is a difficult thing to deal with, and how he's also used his platform to make a difference where he can in a way that's unique to the very unique platform that he's been given. Many of you have seen the pictures and laughed at the captions. Maybe you've even retweeted some of Matt's tweets. But how many of you know the backstory? How did it all start? What has been the journey of this Twitter sensation? I'm Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to move toward meaningful optimism. This week, I got the chance to talk with Matt about all of this. So let's just jump straight into the conversation. Matt, I'm super excited to be talking with you today because I have retweeted you a lot of times and uh, I have giggled a lot of times. And so uh, I'm excited to get to talk about the cool things that you do on the internet. Oh, I appreciate that. Matt, so you run the We Rate Dogs account on Twitter, uh, which you know, probably a lot of people listening to this know and love. Uh, but for people who don't already know what this is, or, or maybe they need their memory jogged, explain a little bit about what this account is. So uh, We Rate Dogs, I started it in November of 2015. And basically, uh, people send in dog photos and videos. And I take what I think are the ones that I can uh, work with, or it's just an amazing picture. Um, and I put a caption uh, over that and give it a rating out of 10, usually actually always above 10. And it just exploded from the first day. I only had my personal account to promote it with. Um, I had almost 10,000 on my personal account just from just from writing jokes. Um, I found uh, it was Twitter was my creative outlet way before we were at dogs. Um, and so I, I, I only had that account to promote it with, and I passed myself in followers in five days. Um, we had 100,000 within the month, and it just, it's, it's been insane ever since. It's been a roller coaster for sure, but I'm still, I tell people that I've been in shock for, for two years now. <laughs> Man, that's the crazy thing about the internet is like you have no idea what's going to happen with things. Yeah, so in some ways I've been criticized because um, – there was recently an Esquire article uh, that was out about me that the reporter actually came down to my school and followed me around for a couple of days. And it was a very good insight, but it, it had a cynical twist to it because it was like, uh, I mean, I told her the truth. I was like, yeah, when I, I joined Twitter as a, it was my creative outlet, I wrote jokes that were horrible, but eventually I got better at them. I fell in love with the challenge of making someone laugh in 140 characters and over time, I realized that my online persona with dogs worked very, very well. And so, like, I kind of, when I started We Rate Dogs, in the back of my head, I was like, this is the, dogs are the medium to get my writing out to the most people. Um, people are like, like, some people ask, like, how are you so obsessed with dogs? And I'm really obsessed with comedy, and dogs are the medium that I, I've found is the most effective way to get my writing to people. Now, don't get me wrong. I love dogs. I could not do any of this without a without a, a passion for dogs. I've had dogs my entire life. But yeah, the primary focus was to just make people laugh from day one. And it's it still is. And other goals have come into play. But my primary focus is to make people laugh. But when people heard that 
oh, he planned it. Like it was very, I, I was surprised when people, when people took that and, and, and it was no longer this pure wholesome thing he had no idea would blow up when it, it really was. I just had a feeling that yeah. dogs and humor are this magical combination. Yeah. And I mean, if your ultimate goal in the world of comedy is to make more people laugh and you know that a lot of people love dogs, it's a great tool at the end of the day to bring more joy to more people, which is what you inevitably did. Okay. So bring me back to that first day then of deciding like, Hey, I've got my own Twitter account that I built up, but I am going to create this dog account. Like what was the moment that you decided? So I can't actually pinpoint it. It was kind of, I wish I had a fun Eureka moment to tell you about, but it was kind of like, I think I mentioned it to my friend and I forgot I had mentioned it to him. I was like, Hey man, a, a dog, a Twitter account. Uh, you think that would work? Um, this is someone who is not like big on Twitter. He just uses the platform like every, everybody else does. And I didn't, I don't even remember the feedback he gave me, but then probably a week later, I, I mean, I was a bored college freshman. Um, and I was like, you know what, let's just see what, what can happen with this. So I, um, it was after a golf tournament. Uh, we all, my friends and I, we went to Applebee's and I tweeted out my personal account and I was like, Hey, what would you all think of a dog rating Twitter account? I made a poll and it was like 87% yes, do it. Absolutely. The optimism was there. I was like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. Um, so the account was first, uh, created in an Applebee's, um, and, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious because Applebee's has got their own little weird Twitter thing going on, or at least they're attempting to. Oh, absolutely. I, I had my, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I had, <laughs> I see what you did there, but, um, we had, I had my own back and forth with Applebee's on my personal Twitter account, like just joking around with them. Like whoever administers that account, like the group of them are fantastic. They, they play along. Um, so I hadn't really made that connection until now, but so I made the account. The first dog I ever posted was, uh, the, the dog of the person sitting across me at the table. And I retweeted it from my personal account. I was like, Hey, made this account. What do you think? I had 500 followers before I got home and it, just blew up like well actually between then I didn't really know how I was going to get the dog pictures I had no <laughs> idea I was like oh well if I see it if I see a dog I'm gonna take a picture of it just like on the and street make a, make a yeah and make a silly caption with it um, like a like a true humans of New York but with dogs yeah um, and and then someone DM'd me a dog picture and I was like holy shit this has to be what it is. It, it immediately takes followers and and makes them part of something. Uh, in the beginning, like like we had uh, when we had those five hundred followers, I got like three DMs that night. But I rated all three of those dogs, and, and so it, it was just it was perfect. And I knew from that point on, if the account were to blow up, I would never run out of half of my content. Um, I look at my posts as. You have the caption and you have the picture. Um, if the caption leans on the picture, then I'm not necessarily proud of that post. Like some pictures are just fantastic, and no matter what you say, you cannot make it better. But I see that as more like it's not my picture. I almost see that as more aggregation than than art. But when the picture leans on the caption, that is what I value, and that's what I think most of my followers value. Um, is when I can twist the narrative or form a narrative uh, just off of the dog picture. So when some, when the first person sent me a DM of their dog, I was like, all right, this is it. This is what it's going to be. Within the week, I had people in the hallway, uh, in my dorm hall, 
looking through pictures and signaling me if they if they had a good one. And that's how it worked for a little bit. Cole Sprouse followed us when we had 3,000 followers. Don't know how he found the account. Um, but as soon as, and he still hasn't replied to any of my DMs. But when he followed and when we started gaining traction, it was, it, uh, people on my personal account who had seen things come and go like this, uh, had, they were like, get a domain name, start an Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, get it all done now in case this keeps going. So that's exactly what I did. And the WeRateDogs.com was inactive for nine months before we, we did anything with it. But it, it was just a very good foundation for what would now be um, the, the business, WeRateDogs LLC. Mm. So this whole thing was blowing up, and obviously it's blowing up because you know, these are dogs and everybody loves dogs. And you've got this background of experience, essentially writing comedy for Twitter and you're applying it to this specific place. But at the same time, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier, you launched this in November, 2015. The election was already underway. It felt like there was a lot going on in the world. Did you kind of feel like some of the success of this came from people needing almost a sense of happiness or a sense of joy or a sense of even escape from what was happening in the world? So obviously I made the account with the, with the intention of to make people laugh. And, and I, already, I already mentioned that. But the fact that there are these other things going on in the world, people need this positive outlet. Obviously they can find that. They're like, just from being on the internet, I know where you can go to like just relax, have fun, uh, be in a very positive environment with other people that, that feel the same way and, and think uh, along the same parallel lines. And uh, so I know where to find those, but many people don't. Uh, so if they could be following their their ten favorite cutest dog Instagrams and cute emergency on Twitter and and think they're satisfied. But when I come out here with cute dogs plus a little bit more comedy side and and not captions that are just oh my god look at this and ten emojis, I think it might have been refreshing to some and people were like, now I found my I found my positive outlet and it, it's it's different. It's, it's, uh, he brought something new to it. I, I don't know. I like, I, I try to get in the minds of my followers as much as I can, but that initial why you clicked follow varies, varies greatly, but from mm. person to person. So you launched this when you were in college. Are you still in college right now? So I just finished my second year at Campbell university and I have no clue what my educational future entails. Obviously this happened my uh, freshman year, first semester because I was bored. So if this were to happen my senior year of high school, I would have quickly changed plans away from professional golf management at a small Baptist school in North Carolina and would be, would be pursuing a variety of programs that focus on social media marketing and, uh, digital media and, and all these things that now, like my interests have shifted so much um, that I can no longer see myself. I can no longer see myself pursuing that same uh, golf pathway. So you were studying golf management. That's correct. And are you still studying that? Yeah, I mean, officially, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like, like I said, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I've I've yet to do the amount of like I've been so. Uh, busy with how things are running, uh, that I haven't done the proper research to tell you where I would even like to go, um, or if I'm even uh, not going to pursue like that next stage of, of education. So totally. I wish I had a better answer for you. No, no. I mean, it, it's interesting because I remember when I was in college, I blew up on Instagram. Nowhere near where you're at, like not a, like a, a small fraction, but that's when I started to grow this audience, kind of on accident. And also, you know, like you, kind of on purpose. I, I was steering into something but didn't know that it would catch fire. 
And I remember sitting in the back of classrooms, learning from professors, but also kind of doing the work that they were teaching me. Oh like my in the back. Goodness. I was like emailing Absolutely. back like big name clients and managing a business and running marketing stuff all while my professor was like teaching me how marketing worked or at least teaching me out of a out of a textbook. So it's a weird feeling being in the midst of something that you're passionate about and then being like, well, I know school is important, but like not this part of it. Like, man, it's you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like my, my parents have instilled in me from day one how important education is. So uh, it, it's very tough to consider throwing it, like throwing it out the window. But I'm sitting, so I'm sitting in classes. So I had a principles of marketing class. Um, it was the only class that I looked forward to that I didn't dread because it it was and it wasn't even like the focus was on social media the focus the focus was on general marketing but the few things that could I could possibly draw lines to we rate dogs from uh, excited me uh, but at the same time I could have like this is probably extremely arrogant but I could have taught that class and especially with this like yeah uh, specific take on social media like I could have sat up there and, and I mean when it's hard when they're printing a book that explains here's like what's going on in social media but by the time you print a book on social media it's out of date exactly so I I and again to pursue a social media marketing uh major I would like I'm like part of me is scared and obviously this is very arrogant but I'm scared that I'm like what is the value there if I'm living it I'm on the cutting edge of social media marketing just by being I've run this business for 2 years I've learned more in that time than I could have ever learned in a classroom so yeah so it's it's just it's just difficult it's it's difficult to to say this is where my educational pathway is headed when I I mean like now I've kind of narrowed down where my passions are and where my focus should be but at the same time it's like how valuable those uh, last few years. Totally. And it's tricky too, I would imagine, because you've been on Twitter long enough to see the rise and fall of memes and the rise and fall of popular accounts and ideas. But at the same time, you've been going strong for, you know, two years. I'm waiting for the plateau. I'm waiting for it. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Man, let's say that for some reason, the account just like, you know, starts to plateau would you jump over to do something else? Like, what, what's the core of your passion? You know, I don't think it's necessarily dogs. It may not even be Twitter. You know, where do you think that the core of what you care about might be? It's definitely more of a obsession with getting the response I'm looking for. And Twitter just makes it an addicting challenge with character limits. And and so I, I don't know. That's that's a difficult question. Like, what if what if things start to plateau? I would definitely do whatever I could because I'm so involved in, with the audience that I can I can tell when certain things I'm saying aren't registering the way they once did, or saying this isn't funny anymore. Using these terms are new and exciting. Keep doing them. I can pretty much figure out. Like, and this is I can probably credit why we're still around to this is that I'm so involved with my audience that. I kind of know what they want, so if that shifts, I can adjust. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. I would love to hear more about your community and and wh- like what you know about them, what your relationship with them is, because it seems like you you really genuinely have a care for them. Absolutely, and that's because I I mean I started like I remember tweeting out, oh my god, I just hit six hundred followers on my personal account. 
Um, so when you start with that, and obviously I started with just people I knew in real life that were like, Matt, why are you trying to write jokes on the internet? Like, they're not funny. What are you doing? And, and like, if you go back to them, they're horrendous. They're not funny at all. Like, but over time I, I learned what works and I found like, I met people that I'm still very good friends with to this day. Some of which I've met in real life. And it's uh, that, that genuine, like, I don't see my audience as, uh, numbers like I like I, I don't like that following number can keep going up but it's it's like I don't know I see them as actual people on the other side of a computer so and if, if you understand that and and truly try to engage and figure out what they want then they're going to remain engaged as well but still like how has dog rating not gotten old yet but I can look at I can look at the difference from my first tweet to my last tweet and you can tell that Creativity was drained from during throughout this time period. With a bigger following, I've had to limit the obscurity, limit the weird Twitter roots that I have, and go more formulaic. This is going to make the most people happy with that. Like uh, when it comes to offending people, like I have to be very formulaic with how I word things and how I make these posts because. Uh, it's just with a bigger audience, you can't please everyone. But obviously, you're going to try to try to do your best. So if you look at those early tweets, like they are ridiculous. Like if you followed in the last six months and you look at my first 10 tweets, you're like, what? Like this is, this is a different account. Um, obviously the core rating a dog caption over a picture thing is the same, but, but yeah, I've truly, I've truly limited myself. Um, when it comes to, I can, I rarely make jokes that are not about dogs because my mind does not work that way anymore. (laughs) What are some of the other downsides that come with uh, Twitter fame, you know, like what, (laughs) what's that experience like? Well, people, so one thing that I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny's son, but he's a fantastic guy. Johnny's a friend and Johnny, uh, has already been on the podcast. Oh yes. Okay. I saw that. I don't know why I didn't remember that. Um, I saw that he'd been on. Um, so right now, uh, so I went to MIT to do part of his humor series and talk with him uh, with an audience and it was fan, it was fantastic. Um, but, the one thing he tried to get across to me and we, obviously that we agreed on was that we need to transform how people see internet comedy. Like this is a legitimate art form. Um, if you remember five years ago, YouTube was like, that's not, you can't, your, your job is not YouTube. What are you talking about? But now it's like, no, careers are being made on YouTube. Like we look forward to when that's accepted on Twitter as well. And obviously it's not because the response to that Esquire article was horrendous for the most part. It was like, you're making money off of other people's dog pictures. Like it, it was, it, it was, it did not get the response. Like obviously all of that was honest, um, but it, it just, people took it in a way that I was disappointed to see. It's like just that they don't understand success. it yet. Yeah, people saw success in this way on this platform and were turned off by it. And I've never, I see success in any, any success you have in any area as motivational. Like I was so, I was, I just don't think that way to see someone's success and, and think like, well, that's, he doesn't deserve that because it's in this format or whatever. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm waiting for the plateau, but hopefully I can adjust uh, to prevent it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've recently been in a little bit of news uh, for a little bit of controversy that you hit, which is uh, <laughs> a little bit of an understatement. But, you know, it's kind of crazy because you've got this dog account. You ended up having news that wasn't just about dogs. And uh, there's a headline that I just read that said, 
everyone is angry at we rate dogs the last good thing on the internet which is in some ways like a really sweet headline because oh, it's, it's like oh yeah you are the last good thing on the internet but then it 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 almost speaks to this rise and fall that everybody experiences on the internet. Though it seems to me, from my perspective, that that, that you had a pretty solid rebound. Um, man, I wish I could turn that rebound into like a an Airbud joke. I'll work on that. Um, anyway, <laughs> it begins with President Donald Trump uh, tweeting an obscure, random, terrible tweet uh, where he... It includes a word that is not real. Kafefe. Kafefe. Is that is that the pronoun? Is that the right way to pronounce it? I've heard I've heard many pronunciations. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sure that one's fine. And so he he tweets this, and Twitter blows up. And it was this magical, amazing moment where we're like, is the president going to change his? Like, is he going to delete that tweet? Is he going to finish his tweet? Like, the tweet had no context. It didn't make any sense. And we all just got to sit there and be like, what is happening? Like, what kind of world are we living in? And then you, everybody's making jokes about it. And then you jump in with, um, with a response. Mm-hmm. So, well, actually, if you don't mind, I would like to jump back yes, uh, to please. January. So in January, late January, um, the Women's March was going on. And I was like, you know what? This is something that it's current event. I had posted about current events before, Super Bowl. I've, I made tweets about the ads if they were dog-related. I've taken advantage of current events because it's what everyone's talking about. Why would you not talk about this if everyone's already doing it? And why not throw a dog picture and make is. it adorable? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Twitter is built for what's happening right now. So I was sent a dog picture that was adorable. And on the, it had a sign that said, I march for my moms. And it was at the Toronto uh, Women's March. So I was like, if I post this, there's going to be some controversy. There's going to be five people that hate me because whatever their personal beliefs are, they're going to hate me because I posted this. But I don't care. This is this is like uh, in the back of my head. I'm like, this is not political. I'm just going to post this. People are going to love it because it's uh, people are just going to love it. And I already got the sense that I had a, a pretty liberal following just because. Uh, just because of previous interactions. And I just had that sense that I had a core fan base that was uh, mostly liberal. So I posted this and it is still my most liked post to this day. It's got over 140,000 favorites. It got a hundred thousand in 24 hours. And it, it was the support that the account got in that day was unbelievable. I, we, so it was our most unfollowed day before Planned Parenthood, which was like, we lost like 800 followers, but we gained 37,000. That's ridiculous. Um, so the support I saw for me basically saying, Hey, look, a person runs the account and he's a decent person (laughs) was, was very, very welcoming and refreshing. And it was good to know that I had support when I choose to make posts like that. However, someone commented, I don't, uh, like, I don't want to be seeing this on my timeline, apparently. Like, obviously, everything that day was about the Women's March, so totally. he was fed up with the I Women's mean, March. I mean, it so was the I largest protest sh- in history, and no one was arrested. Like, it is it is a current event if there's ever been a current event. Absolutely. So this person was like, I'm sick of seeing this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you shouldn't be ignoring this. And someone said, blah, 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 100% unfollowed. And I said, I 100% don't give a shit. That was screenshotted. And went viral just as much as the original <laughs> post was going viral. So Man. now I've compounded my account, just launching into engagement 
Central. And it was, again, the support was unbelievable. To see a dog avatar, first of all, if you get into an argument with a dog online, you've already lost. But just to see my avatar just bluntly destroy someone was just like the internet went crazy. So fast forward about a week and a half, I think, to the Muslim ban like uh, protests at, at airports. I was sent a picture of a dog that said, I wag for refugees. And I was like, well, this is kind of, this is a more, I can see how this is more political than the Women's March post. But I support this. It's still a dog. I, I love the people that comment stick to dogs under a dog picture. But I was like, I'm going to make this post. It's consistent with what I've done in the past. The support I got on the last one was huge. I need to continue this this trend of, and it's not like I'm going to speak out about the tax march or just really partisan issues that aren't human rights. Yeah. I thought I was just being a humanitarian with these totally. posts. Yeah, really. you're, this is definitely much more along the lines of, of human rights and not partisan politics. And obviously people will disagree with that, but it's, it's definitely that way on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, and then, so I made that post. I said that he understood his, uh, his constitution and it was, it was, again, the feedback was great, but I had a few people that were, that were like, Bob, I don't want to see this. Um, and I forget, I definitely also responded to someone in the same way that uh, caused the screenshot and then the massive compound the, the virality of the situation. But again, great response. Um, didn't lose as many followers, gained just as many because people were kind of getting a feel for the account. They understood that this is now a thing. Like you have to understand that there's a person behind this account who has views. And so, yeah. And then uh, the next post was a woman who was returning from Iran, I believe, who was re- like reunited with her dog at the airport. Um, so I made a post about that with several pictures of them reuniting. It was adorable. Um, and I, I called it the travel bannon. Uh, which people love that that phrase, but again, it was it was met with the same things. A few people pissed off um, that please unfollow. You're not going to like what's coming if you're if you're already if you're pissed off at a dog picture. Like I just don't I just don't know. Like you're not meant for the internet, maybe. So same response with that, and so now we can now we can get. So this was not the first time. Yeah, yeah. You'd already stepped in and said, "Hey, here's here's a current event. Here's me taking a stand, and here, you know, getting into the world of controversy and kind of feeling fine coming out on the other side." Yeah, it was it, for me to ignore these situations would have been a, a, a bigger. Like, I, first of all, I would have felt bad ignoring them, turning my head the other way. Totally. Um, but to ignore them would have been a bigger statement than to not. Yeah. I mean, I think about like mainstream celebrities who didn't share anything about the presidential election or didn't share anything about, you know, different tragedies around the world. And you're like, this is a part of like the global conversation. Exactly. Everything's political when, first of all, basic facts are being questioned. Um, it's just, it's such a political environment. You can't avoid it. So how would you expect someone with an audience to ignore it? Um, I'm impressed with people who do, but also like if you have an audience that you could be affecting people with, take advantage of that, stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. I'll say, you know, I don't know if I'll go as far as to say it's a responsibility, but I will say it's an, it's an opportunity. And if you don't take it, it's a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. And you can see, you can see with my account, how it was an opportunity with, the the followers I gained and and that's obviously uh, we've addressed it already like that's not why I did it I did it to be like hey there's a person here um, but 
uh, yeah. So the night of Kefefe, when the yeah. fog rolled in. <laughs> and so so you decide Kefefe's hot right now. I have a Twitter account. I'm going to, I mean, I, explain your thought process and explain the tweet you dropped. I have a tweet on my personal account that was like, uh, softly caresses keyboard. Um, this is what we were born for, or something like that. When that <laughs> happened, we were like, uh, like on my on my personal account, every tweet was about it. The worst jokes were hilarious that night um, about this incident. So everyone with a creative bone in their body was stretching their fingers, getting ready to absolutely just write whatever they could about that single about word. About just because it's it's so obscure. Exactly. So. I put I put out a dog post, and I had done this in the past where I say this is blank name in parentheses, pronounced very different name, just just to throw back to weird Twitter obscurity days. Like that, I mean, that's funny sometimes. Like, okay, dog's name is is John, but you pronounce it Steve. Like, just it's, it's a silly thing that I did in the past, but I thought I'd bring it back and say that the dog's name was pronounced Kefefe, and people loved it. It was it was very very hot, and everyone. Everyone was like, oh, even this account's jumping into the fun. Like, it was very, very, it remained very wholesome up to that point. Then the individual who runs our e-commerce store sent me a screenshot of a hat that said Kefefe AF on it. And I was like, no, we cannot do that. Like, come on, we can't take advantage of this that quickly. Um, And he was like, "Uh, yeah, we are, we're going to do this. Um, So after thinking about it for like probably 20 minutes, I was like, all right, fine, put it up on the store. And he's impressed with himself, and I congratulated him on my personal account because he did the full product upload and had everything ready to go in like six minutes. So then even in my caption where I put the link to the hat and a screenshot of the hat, I said, I'm so sorry, to imply that I understood how ridiculous and I have no shame this is to put out a hat based off our president's typo less than an hour after it happened. So that post did better than some of our dog tweets. Like that post, people still loved it. Only a few comments were like, hey, like how could you possibly take advantage of this? Like blah, 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 blah. But um, it was enough that I, I thought back and I was like, you know what? What better place for this money to go than something that opposes or something that our current administration opposes, such as Planned Parenthood? So this is where I'm mad at myself because it would have been so easy to donate that money to a rescue or to a a dog-related thing that wouldn't stir up this controversy. But at the same time, it was the perfect thing if we forgot about dogs and are just doing this to spite Trump. So I announced that. And shortly after that, I was like, you know what? I don't care what people say about this. Like, This is what I believe. If we can donate X amount of money, to Planned Parenthood, then I personally have succeeded. So then I went to sleep. (laughs) And I woke up to the most mentions Dog Rates has ever received in a 12-hour period. So I was like, did I accidentally tweet something else last night? Like, what, what happened? What is going on? And I immediately saw every single mention, reply, comment to that was, uh, it was a barrage, or to me, so let me, let me, back up to put you in the mind of an artist that I'm sure you have as well. Uh, Negative comments are so much bolder in your head than any positive comment could ever be. The one negative comment is going to stay in your head for seven weeks and all the positive ones fade away after you scroll by them. Basically, in retrospect, I would say between 15 
to 20% of comments I received were negative. And that's impressive to look back upon because this reached way out. I had people commenting on this, hating me, that have never followed my account. These people uh, found me just to hate on me because of the situation. So in retrospect, probably 15 to 20% of all the comments I received in that 12-hour period were negative. But they were clearly the ones that I paid attention to. Um, Then there was also a neutral aspect where people were saying, this is simply just bad for business. What are you doing? Republicans buy shoes too, which is Michael Jordan's famous quote. And these negative slash neutral comments were coming from people that I, I respect online, so it had a bigger impact. And so I made the horrendous decision to write up a notes page completely out of character and apologize for the whole thing and say that my personal beliefs should not impact my dog page, which is ridiculous because my personal beliefs are what created the dog page. And you cannot separate yourself from your account. It just, it's not possible. So after I posted that apology, I had some people that were like, I mean, like, thank you for the apology. Like, we're back on good terms, dog rates, no problem. And then I had Everyone else, all the all the liberals that were so proud of me for putting up Planned Parenthood, just absolutely destroy me because now I have backed down uh, and I hate women because I have written this apology to the people that I should not be apologizing to. So now we're in complete crisis mode because I pissed off everyone. Then I, I, I like called a few people that know how to deal with this a little bit better than I do uh, because I was joking like my crisis team messed up. Uh, I'm my crisis team. Um, <laughs> like I, I didn't I didn't have a solution because I, I immediately regret not immediately uh, a few hours after I posted the apology uh, uh, the apology I regretted it and I was like well what can I do now I can't take away the apology because that pisses off the same people I pissed off the first time so. I was instructed slash figured out that I should leave up the apology, um, go back to raiding dogs. It's the internet. This is gone soon. It'll, it'll blow over like everything does. So I, then the next day, perfect timing, uh, we pulled out of the Paris Accords and I could make fun of, not make fun because it's a very serious and awful situation, but I can address this in my same quote unquote political voice Again, just like the three previous posts, I can get back on track because Trump did something stupid. So I made a post that was very blunt, like this is Zoe. I think, yeah, the dog's name was Zoe. The dog just looked upset and it was like she would hate to see willful ignorance and uh, a denial of basic science destroy the world. I, I worded it better than that, but to that extent. And then so people were back on board. They were like, oh, thank God you're back. Um glad you weren't gone forever, stuff like that. And then someone in the comments said, again, along the same lines of stick to dogs. So I said, stick to fucking off. And that was, again, that post has about a third of the favorites as the post with 90,000 favorites of the actual dog. So that put us back on course. So I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't want this entire podcast to be about, (laughs) to be about this, but, um, it's, it's kind of, where I'm at right now. I mean, you were in the thick of this this thing that has happened to a lot of people on the internet and is just kind of maybe a part of the culture that we live in in the digital age a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about what you've learned about our natural instincts, what we lear- what you've learned about Oh, we love to hate. <laughs> <laughs> we love to see the downfall of things people like we thrive on that failure. But as soon as you see 
Like I'm sure there would people be people that would be rejoicing if the Catch Me Outside girl um, went bankrupt. Or so we just thrive on the success, or we thrive on the failure of other people's successes. And it like to me that's such a foreign thing. Like it, with YouTubers, big YouTubers, let's say just that fall of something that okay. So if we're not in that fan base and we don't necessarily share those same likes and dislikes, then we love to see that fall for some reason. So that was the case with We Rate Dogs. Everyone loved us. So it was really fun for a couple of days to have, for, to have the people that weren't in the Everyone Loves Us group to, to absolutely hate on us. So again, most of this hate comes from people that never followed us um, and never wanted to. But they, they loved joining the crowd that now disliked us. Uh, and now I think I only see a few mentions that are like, uh, I don't want to see We Rate Dogs in my timeline anymore. I'm so mad about that dog picture they posted. You know, uh, it's so we've pretty much corrected that. Um, and, and so, it, I mean, do I wish that we weren't in a climate where I had to speak out on the atrocities of our current administration? Obviously. It's just, I don't know, it's just a difficult situation and being silent is definitely not the answer. Hmm. What kind of advice would you give to somebody else who finds themselves in a similar situation to how you found yourself? I don't know. The advice for anyone, obviously people have been in this milkshake duck situation where they do the complete circle of the internet where um, (laughs) everyone loves you, then everyone hates you. But for advice on getting out of it, just, uh, I don't know. It really isn't everyone hates you. Like those articles that were like, everyone hates We Rate Dogs now. I saw many comments that were like, who's everyone? Like, we're good. Like, just just to realize that all that hate, um, like we talked about, is uh, in retrospect very small. But I, I mean, like with Pepsi, with Pepsi and that commercial, everyone found a way to hate them. So like everyone legitimately found a way to like that was a massive marketing hiccup for them. So I think that's a different position than pissing off part of your fan base. I'm not sure. It's interesting to think about that because it's it really is complex. There's no rule book for this at this point. It's a weird time to be in and it's a weird position to be in. You know, this is something so new. Yeah, I did see. So this is called, I mean, she labeled it the circle, the circle of Internet life. And it has at the top of this circle, Internet finds new thing. And then it has news coverage. And then it has late night TV appearance. Then it has self-awareness. Then it has monetization. And then it has death. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit that's a little bit separate um, than drawing political lines and demographic lines with your audience. Um, but the monetization route, which at the same time as this Planned Parenthood thing was going out, people were obviously researching other ways that they can hate We Rate Dogs. They dug up that Esquire article, transformed it into this, I'm a trust fund white kid that uh, had malicious intentions when I made this account. So, I mean, that's just another thing that if you if you dislike monetization, which brings us back to the like legitimizing internet humor, then obviously you're going to have a problem with me making money off this. If you if you dislike the success on this platform in this way, you're not you're not going to like seeing this article about me having some sort of financial success on this. Um, so yeah, that's that's another thing that's tricky. But that circle is pretty funny because yeah, as soon as people see monetization, which again this hate for success is mind boggling to me. But as soon as people see that, they they're out of it. 
Yeah, let's talk about the other end of the spectrum too then, uh, because you've also been doing some really cool stuff on GoFundMe and uh, giving back to your community in some awesome ways. Tell me a little bit more about that. So as like once the account gained traction, obviously I owe my success to the incredible awesomeness that is dogs. So we had to, we had, we struggled to find a way to give back because it's very it's more difficult than you think to say hey a part of our a part of proceeds from our store a part of profits are going towards X thing um, it's it's hard to get that all set up so we when we made our store and we started seeing like once we had some financial success we were like okay how, what's the best way to give back. Um, and so, uh, in early 2016, so I actually started doing this very early just to test it out. We were sent GoFundMe's and the first one or the first time I had posted one was because we had posted that, um, those dogs multiple times on the account because they dressed up for every holiday and I posted them more than once. Um, and one of them needed a, needed a doggy wheelchair. Uh, and so I was like, Hey, let's post this. It'll be the first one. Let's see if we can raise this money. Um, we ended up raising the $700 in a few hours and I recognized my influence immediately. Uh, my audience is not, well, I like to think, and I kind of know that my audience is not just an audience full of people wanting to look at cute dogs. They are actual, like they love dogs. They have dogs. They understand the relationship between human and canine. Um, so much so that they would, would hate to see if there's any parallels to their own dogs in these GoFundMe stories. Um, it, it's very, uh, people take action when they see them. Um, even if it is donating a couple dollars or retweeting the post. So I immediately recognized the power of me posting these GoFundMes. And so I posted two more that month, one of which raised over $4,000. And that really showed me that there's, that I have, I have the power to, to like change this family's life pretty much, which is a hard thing to do now that we're sent so many to vet through them. It's a very difficult process to say, here's the one I'm going to post out of the 35 I was sent this week. Um, so we waited about a year to figure out if that was the correct method of doing things. I kind of felt out my audience a little more. We, we grew opportunities, other opportunities came into play. Um, and then with the first Friday of 2017, um, we were going to post one a week or one every two weeks, just depending on, the feedback I got, like, obviously I cannot be posting these every day or they don't have as much impact. I would rather say we helped these 25 dogs reach the entirety of their goal. than we put up a hundred posts and they reached an eighth of their goal because people just, uh, yeah, it's just hard to balance that. But I think I figured out the best way to do it. So now, um, and that trend works. Like now we've posted, I think the number is around 25 and we hit a hundred thousand dollars donated to these individual GoFundMes a couple weeks ago. So it's weird being, cause I, I wish I could say, yeah, this is my money going towards that. But it's, 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 it's not, it's, it's the people who follow me and, and them that have, have just really taken the initiative when it comes to these things. Like I, I didn't donate a hundred thousand dollars. My audience did. I'm just the, I'm just the medium that allowed them to see these posts. Um, it's cool though that you brought together this, this incredible community. Yeah. And I, one thing that I wish I would have uh, highlighted more at the MIT talk is community. I, we're sent now, well, we're sent a lot of, Hey, this was my dog. They, she like we're putting her down today. She passed away last week. Blah blah blah. And and, and they tell me part of a story in this 140 characters. Usually, like that's so hard. You can't ignore that. 
Um, especially if I come across it, I'm not going to ignore, ignore those. So I usually favorite it and then comment some hearts or a brief little message. And because now Twitter throws, um, you can be scrolling through your feed and you can say, you can see we rate dogs liked. You can see those posts as well without me retweeting it. I actually saw someone that, that, that was complaining. They were like, why is we rate dogs posting all these sad dog stories? Like, I don't want to see that. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just liking them. I'm not even making them public on purpose. I'm just liking them. And the only person I care that sees that I responded to them is the person who initially commented or mentioned me. Uh, so, but because now, like as soon as I respond to these, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back in an hour and see how much support this random internet person has for their dog. And it'll be anywhere between 40 and a thousand comments under that post. And it'll have 2000 likes, just an outpour of love in the comment section for that random person. And that's really cool to see because that's the definition of community to have a random and to feel a part of that has to be, I mean, to, to be the curator of it is a little bit, obviously a different perspective, but to feel a part of that must be pretty cool. So I'm not intentionally highlighting these very sad stories, but when they reach my audience in, in, in this case, an obscure way, the outpour of support is uh, very, very cool to watch. And obviously it's more, uh, you can see it. It's a very, it's a little bit different to see that in a monetary form with the GoFundMe's, but to just see people commenting and favoriting is, is massive. Um, and that's the definition of community right there. And we actually, one, one story that I remember when I'm talking about this is there was a dog that was going into surgery. Like they didn't have a GoFundMe. They could, they could financially support the surgery, but he tweeted out a picture of the dog and he was like, everyone tell uh, this dog, good luck. Like he's going into surgery in the morning. Um, and, the like all of my following somehow saw it, it reached so many people there had to be close to 5,000 comments or mentions of that situation um, without me directly spreading it and then uh, two days later I, I had actually kept up with the gentleman who posted it um, just to get consistent updates because so many people were were concerned while the dog was in surgery and the dog did end up passing away but it, it for those last for those last 48 hours that dog had 10,000, 20,000 people watching that account's every move, like being a part of that. And, and even though it had a sad ending, like that is, that is community defined. So it, it's hard. Like I, I can't take credit for that. Yeah, but it's, it's beautiful. And I love the fact that you've brought this community together. And, uh, and I love the fact that you're being so intentional about all of this that you're doing. So thank you for that. No, I appreciate it. And it's just, like I said, I've been in shock for two years. So whatever, <laughs> I mean, anything, the one thing I've learned is that the internet can pretty much throw anything at you and give you a lot of opportunities. You can make something out of nothing. Um, so to be able to do that on such a scale is, I mean, is an honor pretty much. Like I I can say that I planned this. I, I um, You can credit the growth of the account somewhat to me, but at the end of the day, like luck is involved in these things. And I've just, I struck a gold mine with this idea. And now that I have um, an audience to, to share a lot with, uh, it's an, it's an honor. So hopefully, hopefully, like I said, I can continue to, to do that and figure out what people like so I can continue entertaining in this way and continue supporting these, these random GoFundMes that turn into much more than random GoFundMes to the people who partake in, partake in donating and be, and truly feeling a part of something. Man. 
Well, that's great. I uh, I want to end this episode on on a very selfish note. I'm going to send you a picture of my dog. If you don't mind, I would love a rating. Just, you know, I, I got to get a an unbiased perspective on of course, uh, on a rating for my Thank dog. Thank you for the multiple images. Oh, you're welcome. It's, I thought that it was important that you got a full spectrum of experience. You can pick whichever one you want to rate. That's what people, <laughs> uh, that's the mistake people have is they, they send the same one for two years and I'm like, just send me as many as you have. I'll figure out what to post. <laughs> I'm kind of scrolling through them here. The first one's great because he looks so happy. Her name is, uh, her name is Pop-Tart. Oh my God. That's a fantastic name. That, okay, so occasionally, early on, I would do a lot of name changing and the occasional gender change to fit the narrative I wanted with the caption. Yep. Uh, but I would definitely not change Pop-Tart. Pop-Tart Thank is you. Fantastic. Wow, that, that means a lot. <laughs> uh, for the sake of good radio, why don't you describe uh, what you're seeing as well? Okay, so the third picture, she kind of looks like a bunny. um the ears are are very bunny like um and the facial expression is great so on the fourth one he's uh he's clearly doing work that you should be doing it looks like she's responding to your emails which is very Um, kind of her (laughs) exactly now the fifth and sixth ones where she's with a donut um like obviously pop tart is very laid back with this one she just got that donut but <laughs> i think i would go with the third one and i would say that to please not send any more um really excited bunnies we only rate dogs Bib. but yeah pop tart well, <laughs> is of no i haven't done the rating yet oh good okay uh, pop tart is <laughs> pop tart is a now uh official uh 13 out of 10 so. wow 13 out of 10 <laughs> man but yeah pop tart is an official 13 out of 10 wow well Matt, on behalf of both Pop-Tart and I, I am so (laughs) thankful that you came on the show today. Thank you for uh, sharing your story. Thank you for rating dogs and filling the internet with joy. No, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Wow, that was so good. Here's what I really appreciate about my conversation with Matt. Not only does he share his passion for using the internet as a medium for joy and comedy, he also remains transparent through the highs and the lows of his internet fame. I love what Matt said at the beginning of this conversation. My primary goal was to make people laugh from day one. We need more people like him to use their creative outlets to fill the world with just a little bit more joy, even if it's through a funny dog caption. You honestly probably already follow We Rate Dogs on social media, but if you're one of the few who don't, you can find all of Matt's incredibly creative work on Twitter and Instagram. If you're new to Sounds Good, maybe this is your very first time listening, welcome. We would love for you to stick around. If you liked this conversation and maybe you're interested in hearing our conversations with other internet creators, you'd also love my conversation with Brad Montague, the creator of Kid President. And you'd also love the episode we recorded with Twitter sensation Johnny Sun. You can find these episodes and a whole bunch more wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good Good Good, a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. There are more hopeful stories on social media that you can find by following us everywhere at, at Good 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 Co. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are bringing more hope into the world. 
Yes, it is a real newspaper and you can order it today. Check it out and see what else we do at good, good, good at good, good, good dot co. Goodness gracious, that is a mouthful. Check it out. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and do some good this week and we'll be back next week with another incredible conversation with an inspiring person. Sound good? Sound good?